Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent Magazine, with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to the latest episode of Apparently Speaking, where I'll be talking with Dr. Joseph Congini, Medical Director of the Sports Medicine Center at Akron Children's Hospital. This episode is sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. Dr. Joseph Congini is the medical director of the Sports Medicine Center at Akron Children's Hospital, as well as professor of pediatrics at Northeast Ohio Medical University and clinical professor of pediatrics and sports medicine at Ohio University College of Osteopathic Medicine. He developed the Primary Care Pediatric Sports Medicine Fellowship at Akron Children's Hospital, the first of its kind at a pediatric hospital in the United States in 1990. Dr. Congini is currently a team physician for the University of Akron and Archbishop High School. He's won many awards, including Best Doctors in Northeast Ohio 2009 to 2018, Ohio High School Athletic Association Respect the Game Award, Ohio Athletic Trainers Association's Team Physician of the Year Award, and Ohio Outstanding Team Physician by the Ohio State Medical Association. He's appeared on NBC's Today Show, a PBS documentary entitled The Smartest Team, and a Sports Illustrated segment. He also appears on a weekly radio sports medicine segment. He and his wife, Karen, have six children. So I want to welcome Dr. Joseph Congini to the show. And you might want to think about doing something with your life, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Thanks, Miriam. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very happy to have you here. And obviously you have a wealth of experience and knowledge. And and so I'm I'm very happy to have you here. We talk about, you know, kind of kids in sports, things that parents can do or not do maybe, and and talk about all kinds of things like that, injuries and so on. So thank you so much for being here. What my first question I want to ask you about is, you know, what are your thoughts about specializing at a young age? It seems like that's a big thing now. You know, they're two years old and I mean, I'm exaggerating, but you know, and it's like, no, you have to choose one sport and you have to go all in and that's going to be your sport for life. Yeah, Miriam, you're right. That's one of the biggest problem areas in youth sports. And um, really, I got involved in sports medicine. I've been in it a long time. I really enjoy and love it because there's so many really good lessons to teach, life lessons, and so many great things that kids uh, get from sports. But one of the things is sometimes sports gets out of balance, a lot of times when sports gets out of balance, it's adults that lead it astray <laughs> sure. out of balance sometimes. <laughs> and one of the things is, boy, that sounds really good. Let's start at a really young age and play, you know, and do one thing over and over again. And, you know, maybe at the end of time, you'll be the one uh, getting the gold medal or getting the scholarship and all that kind of stuff. And so my office is absolutely filled for 30 plus years. 70% of our patients are from overuse or overload or overstress injuries. That's seven of 10 of what we see. So it's a real lot of what we see. And so kids starting early on and the age that's at greatest risk is less than high school age range, junior high, and even grade school. I think uh, you have to really be careful as a parent to get your kid and, and, and push them directly into one sport at those ages. So you think it'd be obviously better to just kind of maybe play a few different, do a few different things, activities. And what if it's just like, I, the kid is saying, I only like, you know, whatever this is baseball, you know, whatever the sport is, they really only like that. They don't have any interest in any other sports. So they, they do want to specialize, but maybe as a parent, okay, let, you know, don't force them maybe to play something else, but maybe 
not so much with yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And those are okay. those are very good thoughts. And a lot of times it is the kids. So I don't want to blame it at all on the parent. Believe me, I was a parent with six kids and, yeah, no and living, how, living through that. You don't have all the answers yeah. in some textbook about what to do with your kids. In fact, probably where I learned the most about kids' involvement in sports is that I coached all my kids. So I coached for 18 years as an assistant coach. I might have learned there, more there than in my office right. for 30 years. But we give a few guidelines. So <clears throat> one of the things is the injury rate really starts to pick up if kids practice more than 10 hours a week. When we get up to 12 to 15 plus hours a week, the injury rate really goes up a lot. Do you, I really see kids that practice 15 to 20 hours plus a week? Yeah, I do. And there are certain activities, like say the real high level gymnasts, they may right. be in 20, 25 hours. Even Some dance. of our dance and kids. Gymnasts. Yeah, it's and, a lot of practice. <clears throat> and the kids that are playing more than one team for soccer and baseball and other things. So think about the less than 10 hours a week might be just a guideline for a parent. Another one is four months, four seasons of the year, 12 months out of the year is too much. So even the professional players take a season of the year off, a season of the year being three months off. Oh my gosh. Sometimes parents and people look at me yeah. in the office. I've got to take that time off. We can't yeah. take three months off. Are you kidding? I mean, even You're in like, our well, climate, you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> even in our climate, you know, baseball, yeah. there's indoor and kids right. playing. Right, fall ball, spring, and fall you know, ball every, and every sport is like and, all year now. And I know, and I know those things. And so I, of course, do it in a non-threatening way in right. the office. I'm not trying to tell parents because they're really good parents and well-meaning in most cases, but there's really just an increased risk of injury. And, and for that, if you're going to take a season of the year off, I'm going to take winter off or fall off or whatever to be exposed to another sport, maybe a lifetime sport. So a lot of some of these team sports, That's you really idea. maybe are only able to play for yeah. a certain period of so time. Maybe like tennis or golf or exactly. just something like you said, a lifetime kind of sport where you don't need a whole team of people. That's exactly right. I always say like those are good <clears throat> things. You know, I tell my kids because when you're older, you know, you're not going to have, you know, access to, you know, 20 people that want to play this same That's right. thing. So That's if you it. can do one of these things, you can, it can be social, you know, like you said, lifetime sport, casual, yep. you don't have to go all in with it, but just know how to do it. Yeah. You know, one fun. of the things is about young athletes that makes them totally different. And that was the thing when I got, oh my gosh, at a children's hospital, kid grew up in Northeast Ohio. I loved sport. And I, you know, from a young age, the big legend at my house was I was reading the sports page at age four and all this, and I have all this worthless sports knowledge, but I love sports so much, and there's so many great things to glean from it, but one of the things is when you have... Uh, <clears throat> when you have younger kids, they're different. They're not just little adults. And so they have different injury patterns. And so one thing you have to understand as a parent is as kids go through that growth spurt, part of the reason for that are there are these areas called growth plates that are really prone to injury. So although I, I see a lot of stress fractures in bone, but what I really see a lot of in my office are stress fractures in growth plates, areas where the bones are still growing. There's over 200 of these growth plates in the body. And so you, you know, we're talking about, Hey, what part of the body? Well, it depends on the movement pattern for the sport that they're playing a lot. So in the running sports, they're going to get these problems in the growth plates from the hip to the knee to the ankle. And in the throwing in the overhead sports, there's growth plates in the shoulder and the elbow. And, and so we see patterns of injury that occur in these kids and they're predictable. They're very predictable. And so there are things we can do to try to prevent these, but a good starting point is not allowing kids to get to 
that overload or overuse amount. Just too much overuse. Not too much. Because in in our culture, it just, you know, our culture is kind of like, you know, more is better. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, and I think so we don't realize that, you know, rest, you know, taking a little time off is very important and necessary. And and I think it is hard for parents. And like you said, it comes from a good place. These are good parents, you know, wanting their kids to, you know, be happy, be successful and all that. And the kids are enjoying it. But I think it's like you said, take some time off. What? And, you know, it's kind of like maybe socially not the thing to do. You know, nobody else yeah, is doing that yeah, yeah. or they're going to get behind or, or things like that. But really, it probably <clears throat> would be even more helpful to have that rest and that time off. Yeah. So, you know, we don't, we can't use that often, that darn four letter word that starts with an R in our office. We're going to really <laughs> scare people. We actually call it kind of relative rest, shift gears, move okay. into another uh, activity for a while. So we want to keep your cardiovascular going. Mm-hmm. So maybe you switch to a bike or you switch in the pool or other things that you can do that won't create that same repetitive pattern that's, that's leading to the overuse. And so relative rest is a, yeah. is a good thing. And you're thing. still keeping in shape. Those are good, you know, like those activities you no mentioned. Doubt. That's those are great things you're keeping in shape <clears throat> for that activity. We have to return. keep kids active. I mean, mm-hmm. everything is on the side of staying active into adulthood. So we surely don't want to discourage. And one of the things that was frustrating to me early in my career was so many kids by late junior high school were already getting burnt out from sport, sick of playing a sport, right. drop out of sport. Eighth grade, we had the biggest dropout for a 10-year period there in oh, the 2000s so... of kids dropping out of sport completely. Right. Now, different deal when they get into high school. When kids get into high school and their body is kind of getting near the end point of this maturation process or moving towards that, the injury rate goes down a little bit. Playing one sport, not as unreasonable when kids get into high school. And I'll tell you a pattern of what I've seen in my office is <clears throat> a lot of times it is the kids dream. And I always want to support kids and get them to the right people in town that can help them be better at their sport. But sometimes it's also the parent dream. And the adult, and the, uh, no, high, sc- never. the high school kids <laughs> will come in the office and the high school kids are really happy and they've shifted gears and moved to one sport or found a new sport like lacrosse or guys volleyball. There's all these options available out there and they're very happy with that. And sometimes the parents are kind of crushed because their dream dies. You know, During junior high and grade school, you can have these dreams of, oh my God, my kid's gonna be and it's just really hard for the parent to see because by high school the cream kind of rises to the top the genetics kind of take hold and a lot of 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 realities take hold of who's going to be really the ones getting the scholarships at the end who's going to be the ones getting the gold medal at the end a lot of that is outside of your hands but the key is uh learning good lessons of staying in shape learning good life's lessons about winning and losing and other things, and making sure that you're having fun. Those three things, if we yeah. do those three those things, sports can be reminders. great. Right, great reminders. And even if, like you said, when they get to that high school age, even if they're kind of, okay, you know, the writing's on the wall, they're not going to be, they can still do it and have fun and be a part of a team, you know, hopefully, and things like that. There are still many, many benefits if they're not, you know, the, the LeBron of the team or That's whatever right. it is. That's right. Um, I mean, I mean, reminders. you look right around in Northeast Ohio and we have some of these incredible athletes that you knew at a young age and they just genetically are off the charts. And, and if you're, you know, you're not in that level, you're not going to, I mean, we, we sit around sometimes at sports medicine conferences and say, you know, cause people will go to nutritionists for their kid or a strength coach one-on-one for their kid. And again, now that's not bad. I'm not saying, especially if it's the kid's dream, but just be 
realistic that, okay, on a scale of 0 to 100, and LeBron's a 99.9, you're not going to take a kid who's a 50 and make him a 95. You might take a 50 and make him a 52 or a 55 or a 58. That might be good enough to play on their high school team. That might be good enough to be all city or, you know, all district in their area, and that's great. So they're learning about striving to, you know, reach your full potential. Those are great lessons. But don't be unrealistic about thinking you're going to make somebody a 4-4-40-yard dash person or something like that. We can't create those you things. You can't do that. You can't help me out at this point, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, okay? <laughs> that dream has died. <laughs> yeah. But that that's a great, those are great reminders, and that's a great point. I like that you brought that up because I was going to ask you about, you know, going to all of these things, you know, the nutritionist, the, the fitness, you know, guru, and all these kind of things. And, and all those things, like you said, are, are those aren't bad things. Those are good things, especially if it helps your child learn about, you know, you know, fitness and nutrition and all that. But like you said, just, I like that you really stress, just be realistic. Don't go into it saying this is going to make him or her, you know, an all-star, you know, of the world. Um, because like you, you did mention genetics and just, you know, how they are just plays, you know, probably a bigger part than what they can pick up from those things. Those are good habits to learn. And like you said, it can help some, but just be realistic where they are and where you expect that to take them. I exactly. like that you mentioned that. Just just be realistic and and be okay with it. Yeah. I think, you know, is a par- a message that parents need to to kind of hear. Like, it's okay. And there are lots of things they can still be good at, um, sports and play. And there are, like you I like that you also mentioned, you know, you don't want to take that dream away because there are the LeBrons and there are those kids that exactly. are gonna reach that level. So I'm not trying to like break anyone's, you know, crush their dreams because we don't want to do that either. So there's that balance, I think, as a parent. And attitude and working Mm -hmm. hard can get kids. And so kids play, you know, um, Division two sports and stuff like that, and they reach all kinds of great milestones and great, you know, they get to great places. It's all a matter of, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times it is to some extent your want to, your drive, your resilience to getting back up when you get knocked down. A lot of great lessons, but just be realistic about it. Right. Be realistic. I like that. Let me ask you about um, kind of injuries. What are the most common injuries that you see? you know, with, with in sports in general. So I mentioned kids. that there's really two types of injuries and people, I, I like to simplify things. So I have a lot of talks with my athletes in the office. I love athletes and I, I, I simplify. There's really two types of injuries, traumatic injuries, which means the kid had no problem going on before they, in a sporting event, had one event that happened to him and overuse injuries. And in a primary care sports medicine office, we're skewed a little more to the overuse or overload injuries because we also have orthopedists some of the trauma injuries need surgery. So our number one referrers that we walk hand, hand in hand through this sports medicine world with are our orthopedic surgeons. And we work together on the same team and getting kids better. So in the trauma side of things, the acute traumatic injury, ankle sprains, kid perfectly fine, 50-50 ball in soccer, twist the ankle, stretch and tear the ligaments, big swollen ankle. Okay, what do you do different for an athlete than a kid who just wants to go to gym class? If you diagnose it as an ankle sprain early on, you get them into physical therapy in the first 24, 48, 72 hours at the latest. You get that bleeding out of there. You get the range of motion go. You get the strength going. Many people with really bad-looking ankle sprains are playing in five or seven or ten days with the appropriate physical therapy and sport medicine approach. And that's where we really feel good about things because this kid that worked so hard in the summer and played so hard, you know, and did all those things to be ready, we got him back on the yeah, field in good, two weeks that's and they're playing. You know, that yeah. poor kid, you know, I 
you've seen that way more than I have, obviously, than you know, early on the season, then, oh, you know, they're out or, you know, and all that work. So that's, Yeah, that's yeah, so trauma injuries have stayed pretty steady state the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, the other trauma injury, there's lots of them that occur. No problem going in, the person just injures, is the plant twist pop knee injury. The knee swells a lot, they feel a pop, torn ACL. ACL is an injury we've just learned through the years. It doesn't get better through physical therapy and rehab. It doesn't get better. And so much of the time with those kids, they need surgery. And we've done so much better improving the surgery and the types of things is that now it's about nine to 12 months though, after you have a new ligament made a reconstructive surgery. So kids learn a lot during that nine to 12 month period of time. It's hard. They have to go through a pretty big surgery. They have to rehab for several months and they're not a part of the team and they go through sometimes, you know, some um, some real ups and downs emotionally as well. And we have to help them through that. We have great people on our sports medicine team called sports psychologists that help kids through that. That's the trauma side. On the overuse side, injuries have increased over the last 20 or 30 years. They continue to increase for a lot of the reasons we spent the first 15 minutes talking about. And so the most common overuse injuries are things called stress fractures. So what walks in our office, uh, 15 to 20% are stress fractures. These are hard to explain to parents and athletes because it isn't one fall. I tell kids all the time, you mean you didn't fall out of a 10-foot tree and land on your, you know, because there's no great history of how it happened. You know, it may just have happened over time oh, okay. and they're was practicing. It wasn't like, boom, I know this happened today in practice or in the game. It right. It was just like something's, some, there's a so, pain here, something's going on. Yeah, gradually okay. my uh, my ankle started er, and shin really started to bother me. It was only bothering me after I'd play for an hour or two. Then it was during and after I played. Now it bothers me at school and all day long. It's throbbing and aching when I'm walking upstairs at school. Come on, help me out, you know what's going on. And just to make it tough on us in sports medicine, a lot of times that initial x-ray can be totally normal with a stress fracture. So unlike a kid that fell out of the 10-foot tree and broke their arm, that still shows up on a plain x-ray. Many times these micro fractures or stress fractures, we have to understand what they are, have a high index of suspicion, sometimes even order fancier x-rays to pick them up, like even MRIs sometimes. We don't want to overuse. You know, a lot of times people think sports medicine, oh, that's the person that just writes the MRI prescription. Totally wrong. We're going to bankrupt the medical system if we're ordering MRIs on every kid. So much of the time we have to tell them, hey, this looks like a microfracture, a stress fracture. We need to adjust what you're doing, relative rest. We need to rehabilitate the kid to get them better, protect that area of the body to get it to heal. And kids usually have good outcomes if they'll follow the path for these overuse injuries. And so not overusing it, you know, and and getting rest, that can help prevent a lot of those. That's exactly A lot of those type of injuries. Good. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and then I want to talk to you about the dreaded concussions when we come back. You're going to use the C word. All right. Okay. For the one in five children who have learning differences like dyslexia and attention deficits like ADHD, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their potential. Serving students in grades K through 12 from more than 80 communities throughout Northeast Ohio, Lawrence School empowers students who learn differently by accepting and affirming the diverse ways they learn, supporting them through their academic journey, and motivating them to excel beyond what they would believe imaginable. The result of these approaches is that students who previously struggled in the classroom are suddenly engaged, motivated, and confident in their ability to be successful learners. Discover the many ways we are reimagining school 
at www.lawrenceschool.org or by calling 440-526-0717. Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. Okay, and we're back talking with Dr. Joe Congeni. Thank you so much again for being here. And so I said before the break, right, the dreaded C word, you said the concussions, and it seems like it's so much more, they're so much more um, prevalent now. Is that just because we're more aware or are they happening, are concussions happening much more now? You know, I think it's a little bit of a combination of both, but we're, because we're so much more aware, we are diagnosing it sooner because it's such a subtle presentation and can so easily be missed. We did a study early in my career in the 1990s that showed we were probably missing at that time 80% of concussions initially. Only about 20% were being diagnosed because they are subtle. And so the reason, and, and, and I, I say that the dreaded C word is, is concussion is difficult to treat, difficult for us to tell a pattern. So we know really well if somebody tears their medial collateral ligament, we can tell a coach this kid's going to be out four to six weeks. If they break a bone, you know, we can tell them a pattern. Concussion, all bets are off. It really, they present very differently. Sometimes what seems like a really bad concussion early on clears up pretty quickly. Sometimes what seemed like a very mild concussion can last weeks or months and kids are out of sports. So concussion is just really tough. And early in my career, I was in this, I told you how much I loved sports. Board, and I love musculoskeletal, you know, shoulder injuries, knee injuries. But you I get out that. there on the field. <laughs> I get out there on the field, and I'm seeing more of the. Concu- I'm seeing a lot of the concussion injuries. And then people started asking me more questions about concussion. And all of a sudden, I'm giving you know 15, 20, 30 talks a year to groups like uh, you know parent groups and tra- athletic trainers and physical therapists. We talk a lot about concussion because we need to heighten. We needed to heighten everybody's awareness to pick it up sooner because that's one really good way that we can keep kids safe is if you pick it up sooner rather than much later. Good. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. And I think probably now that we're more aware, you know, probably before that it was like, oh, you seem fine, you know, and we know now I think that maybe if they seem fine right away, doesn't mean they are fine, right? There are symptoms that can come up later. So to be more aware of that. And what do you think about, I'm going to ask you a selfish question now because my son plays soccer and my husband's a soccer coach. So I always, you know, anytime with like heading the ball, you know, the mom and me is like, oh, and I know um, now he, they changed it and you can only head it, you know, uh, U13 and older. So he is now in U13 um, in his league. So I'm like, well, what's the difference between, you know, one month you're, you know, you're 12 years old and the next month you're 13. So now you can head the ball. Do you think that, what do you think about that? I think that's reasonable. And so one of the really cool things about, do you get the sense that I like what I'm in in pediatric sports medicine? (laughs) So, So, I mean, I really do. One of the cool things about our field is we really can do prevention. So when I was in like med school and residency, say they were saying the future of medicine isn't just treating illness, it's, it's prevention. And in the field of sports medicine, we can. And so one of the things we get to do is advocate for kids in sports and look at research studies that tell us certain things and then make rules changes that make sense. And so rules change that have occurred in the sport of soccer. Soccer is a high-risk concussion sport. I'm glad you went right to soccer because most people go right to football when they point to and they don't even understand the two fastest-growing sports. Really, soccer, girls' soccer and girls' basketball are the two fastest-growing sports. So soccer and basketball are very much in the thick of this concussion stuff and at risk. So 
heading the ball. There were been there were a bunch of studies on both sides of the coin when we started to look at heading back about 10 years ago and does heading actually cause a concussion? It probably amplifies if somebody was already hit in the head, it probably makes things worse. If if they're not purposely able to head the ball, it can be a problem. And as kids are younger, they don't have yet the, the shoulder girdle and neck strength to head the ball appropriately. So when you head the ball appropriately, there really shouldn't be the issue of head injury. But we really aren't so sure when you're talking about age 10, 11, 12. We think they probably don't have the neck strength and the shoulder girdle strength to appropriately head the ball. And that's why we made changes. The numbers are really nationally looking at 13 or 14 before we look at heading the ball. Looking at in hockey crazy areas, and Cleveland's pretty hockey-based, 13 to 14 before we allow a lot of the checking. Those are the ages. Right now the hot debate is tackle football. Should we allow it before 13 or 14? Many kids play a lot younger. There was a time in my career that I thought that the – hits in football, in youth football, weren't of enough significance to be a problem in that age range. But I'm kind of rethinking that. And we have several studies going on at, our, at Akron Children's Hospital trying to get to the bottom of concussion so we could make good guidelines and good suggestions and good ideas about rules changes in the future. So we're trying to answer some of these questions. And that's one of the ways you mentioned about injury prevention is by good research that takes place on kids. You know, for me to make a decision on heading and look at 30 35-year-old professional European players. That doesn't make much sense, does it? So we have to look at kids that play the sport of soccer and play the sport of football and play the sport of hockey and make good decisions. And there's a lot of research going on nationally. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you. I, I was hoping you would say, no, tell him not to head it, but I should have <laughs> I should have clued you in first. No, and my, I told my husband, I'm going to ask him this. He's like, oh, geez, you know, but um, right. I get it at some point. And I think like you're saying, as long as they're then at that age, they have more um, neck and shoulder strength. And you also, I think, alluded to just like teaching them how to do it properly, mm-hmm. you know, then, then that all plays a part in, you know, just, just being safe. That's exactly right. Good. So if kids want to play a contact or collision sport that we call, you know, football, hockey, or, you know, wrestling collision sport is the, uh, they really should work when they're in those junior high years on getting stronger in the shoulder and neck girdle. And it's very reasonable to ask kids to do some body weight exercises and strengthen. So for your son, as he approaches that magical 13 or 14, also work on technique by somebody who really knows how to head the ball appropriately and work on some strength in the neck and shoulder girdle, that's the best way for him to prevent his chance of having okay, a concussion. Good advice. Good yeah. advice. What if somebody, you know, your parent and your child has a concussion? What would you what would your advice be for them? When somebody has a concussion, first of all, early recognition is so important. So we do a lot of teaching uh, uh, to parents, athletes, and coaches, too, because unfortunately, sports medicine people are not around much of the time when these decisions have to be made. So early on, if there are signs that it's a concussion, we're not altogether sure. Make sure that the person that you see is used to seeing a lot of youth concussions because they are very subtle. They are very hard to pick up. If we do pick them up and it's a definitive concussion, 
We uh, a few years ago, I was on the state committee that passed House Bill 143, which says kids cannot return to sport unless they've been seen and cleared by a medical person if they've had a concussion. Because again, it's kind of subtle to know if the brain is still injured about sending them back out into contact and and collision sport. So getting in with somebody that's seen a lot of concussions, I work very closely with a lot of primary care docs. And my big thing is let's keep primary care docs involved in the care of kids. It's best if if uh, if kids see their primary doc. Who, some of our primary care docs don't see enough to feel real comfortable with the concussion area, so they ask us, hey, would you be involved and help me with this kid? And they understand that in sports medicine we're thrown into this a lot more. Okay, well, good. Yeah, and I know that now at high schools they're doing the protocol, right? So they kind of get that baseline before. I know they do the concussion test, and then that helps them determine, you know, if you have a concussion. So I know there are a lot of preventative um, things going on now. With there that. are. Yeah. The concussion protocol, you really kind of, you know, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. So if somebody is diagnosed now, not everybody has that concussion test you're mentioning about. There are some, what are called cognitive tests that look at reaction time and memory and all these things that kids take before the season, 35, 40 minute test. And about 20% studies show of kids have ha- taken that test. So about 80% of kids have okay, not. So okay. we don't always have that test available to us. And there's other tests tests we have to do on kids to kind of get a sense, is their brain affected? Is it affecting their ability to think and memory? Is it affecting their dizziness and balance? Is it affecting their vision? There's so many functions the brain has. That's why these are so hard to pick up because there's many different uh, areas where the brain could be affected that can show and point to it being a concussion. But if a kid has concussion, we talk about two things in the protocol. Return to learn because the kids need to rest for a short period of maybe the first 48 to 72 hours, let the brain recharge itself, return to the classroom first, and then we start talking about a return to play. And when there's no more symptoms left, there's still that four-day, five-stage program of return to play, and that's what's called the concussion protocol. Okay. I'm sure the kids love that, return to learn first. Return to learn is first. Be clear on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're happy about that, but that's good. Okay, good advice for parents, you know, if you are in that situation and your child has been diagnosed with a concussion. And kind of in closing, what would you, you know, from your experience, how what advice would you give to parents? How can they help their kids reach, you know, kind of their true potential? Thinking about like nutrition, fitness, health, safety, kind of all wrapped up. What would be some advice you would give to parents? All of those things are really important. And so I think getting, uh, again, getting in beforehand some advocacy about how what's reasonable in the way of weight training at what age range, what's reasonable from the standpoint of nutrition of what's necessary versus going to supplements or worse yet still, you know, uh, maybe supplements and, and even performance enhancing drugs that people might get pushed into. So again, it's that balance thing. What a great balance to learn a little about body weight exercises when I'm in junior high school, gradual progression to a little bit in the weight room that's supervised in high school, being in the weight room, don't need to be supervised as much anymore. Kids can start to lift. So working your way through that, but not doing too much again. In the nutrition area, learning the good principles of nutrition, like how many calories do I need to take in, and important about hydration. One of the first things is we find out that about 20 to 25% of kids enter into sporting events and they're 
uh, clinically dehydrated. So a simple, simple thing is hydration. Those simple things first and not looking down the road to, oh, I got to get into a supplement or worse yet, a performance enhancing drug. So keeping it in balance, there's so many good things to learn. Getting it out of balance, a problem. And I think I see our whole job is trying to keep kids in balance as they try to uh, learn about sports, get the best of life's lessons from sports, stay healthy in sports. That's kind of what our lesson is. Excellent advice. It's all about balance. Mm -hmm. And I I like that you ended. That's a great way to end. And and you mentioned a few things. I'm like, oh, we didn't even talk about that or that. So you have to come back (laughs) Um, because I I wrote down a couple of things like, yeah, you got to come back and we'll talk about those things. If somebody wants to get in contact with you or your office, what's the best way to do that? You know, I mean, still by way of the telephone, 330-543-5311 or 8260. Or nowadays, Akron Children's Hospital has a website uh, that you can get to any of our divisions or departments. But we have a a very large, and thanks for uh, giving us the okay about that, is we have a large sports medicine center. We take care of 28 high schools and two colleges. So look us up on our Children's Hospital website. Great. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It was really fun. It went really, really quickly. (laughs) So thank you so much. Thanks. This episode has been sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. Discover more at lawrenceschool.org. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Find the podcast and much more at Northeast Ohio Parent Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email any comments or suggestions to podcast at northeastohioparent.com.